When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by CraneShares. Learn about their KRBN ETF at craneshares.com forward slash KRBN. Now to the top analysis of today's markets. Is gold poised for a breakout? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Tony Greer, editor of The Morning Navigator. Hi, Tony. What's happening, Maggie? Not too much. We got we got people in from all over the place, Singapore, Norway. Uh, so it's great to it's great to have everyone with us. Um, and we've got a little bit of a mixed market here, don't we? We had um, stocks down, two year Treasury yield up, oil up, gold up. What what are you watching? What's on your radar? And a bunch of banking banking hearings going on in Congress. So a lot of fireworks there. What, what, what's on your radar? Yeah, Maggie, we're trying to come out of the Silicon Valley, Credit Suisse, Deutsche Bank, bank blowups, right? Um, the market is trying to normalize. It feels like, you know, the Federal Reserve and global central banks have their guns pointed in the right direction in, in terms of, you know, providing liquidity for the markets that have been stressed due to the bank blowups, et cetera. Certainly the financial sector is stress is probably going to remain under stress and kind of, you know, I think we have that ring fenced quite honestly right now mm. in terms of uh, the markets, right? Um, the most important thing is that we are reacting to the end of the rate hiking cycle, right? Which we saw last week, um, which I thought was a really good sign where we got out of the week with a rate hike and a potential Deutsche Bank blow up and the S&P was up a percent and a half back to S&P 4K. As you can see, where it continues to cling to today, yeah. and the rotation underneath continues um, to roll to a place where you would expect it to go with yields falling, right? So you know we've now we we've got yields on the downslide now, and from the beginning of the year we had sectors in the lead like um, we had airlines, we had semiconductors, transports, home builders, metals and mining, all vying for leadership. And now since that big reversal in rates, now we've got nothing but tech at the yeah. top of the leaderboard, right? It's we've crazy, got semiconductors right? right back into the tech stocks value. It's not crazy. It makes sense. You know, they're all dramatically on sale from last year. They've all gone through a consolidation period technically. And they're starting to do the right thing on the upside. And when you look at rates falling and you see tech is cheap, you know, you don't really have to be shy about, you know, be cute about getting in because you just want to have tech on for the next several weeks or months. It feels like if yields are going to continue to be under pressure. And that's what it feels like right now. Um, I think that now is really where, you know, the Fed's predicament. And I don't I don't ever say that they're stuck or they're they're screwed or anything like that. But what their predicament to manage is going to be now that they're going on a rate cutting path is headline inflation going to creep back up to 8% because that is extremely likely. And if that's the case, what are they going to do then? And how many rate cuts are we going to price in this year then? So that's the kind of you know shoe that hasn't dropped and may not drop. 
And if the economy continues to stay on the weaker side, we continue to see mass scale layoffs like Amazon just laid off another several thousand workers. You know, if that trend continues, then that'll be easy to keep downward pressure on rates. So I feel like that's the wrestling match in the market right now is trying to decide, you know, can we lower rates to deal with this bank blow up and not have inflation come roaring back in our face? And, you know, with some of the commentary that you continue to hear about, you know, the transition to electric vehicles, et cetera, et cetera, from the Biden administration. In fact, John Kerry just said there's going to be more executive orders coming out. And I'm sure they're going to cancel all your gas stoves and your SUVs and everything like that. But it will be interesting to see what goes on, whether we get inflation creeping back into the picture because of that attack on energy supply. Yeah. So that's the big story. That's the big story for me, Maggie. And it's hard, isn't it? Because I feel like on that inflation scenario, you hear really divergent opinions. I just had a really long conversation with Luke Grom, and I encourage everyone to check it out on the platform, really mind-blowing stuff. And he's of one point of view. A lot of it has to do with, I guess, your time horizon, you know, what you're looking mm -hmm. at. I want to ask you a question about tech, though, really quickly. You know, when we were turning the year, you're totally right. The technicals look good. We see money just going back into risk assets, right? But mm -hmm. when we turn the year, there were an awful lot of people who said that era of future earnings is over. They were so hyped up. This was you know, a, a rotation out and we were, what worked in the past wasn't going to work again. That didn't last very long though. Well, not on this side of the hairpin turn in yields, right? Yeah. Like the, the, this is the most important factor of the market, Maggie. You know, the, you know, if we go over the anatomy of it, we go back to March 8th, where the Fed chairman was testifying in front of Congress and said that the high terminal point of rate hikes would likely be higher than anybody expected. Right. So with that two year yield shot up to five point oh six percent, that was on Wednesday, March 8th. And we came in the next day and Silicon Valley Bank blew up. Right. And by Monday, two year yields traded down to four percent. So a one percent slide in two year yields in four sessions. That was a 12 standard deviation move. The markets and portfolio managers are still adjusting to that move. And on this side of that move, Maggie, if you're going to be, you know, if you're of the mindset that we're going to see a recession, right? And if you're of the mindset that rates are likely to head a lot lower to deal with these bank blowups that may be coming, you're going to buy tech with both fists right now, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be the only trade on the board right now. Um, and the beauty of the, you know, the thing that you have going for you, if you're a stock market bull, obviously, if big cap tech survives, Obviously, the stock indices are going to survive, right? And if the dollar keeps falling on a macro level, then we should get some tailwinds in the sales of the commodity trade. And so if we get natural resources rallying like they did today, which was kind of interesting, they're finally picking themselves up off the mat outside of the gold miners. You know, today at the top of the leaderboard, we've got oil services, those gold miners, uranium, energy, oil and gas, metals and mining all the names that just repriced a lot lower. Yeah. Right? So we we have people asking a, a lot of questions about all of that. We'll get to them in a second, but we are seeing we saw a back-to-back -back gain in oil. Um we we have seen strength across the board. It's a it's a big sector, a lot of different dynamics with all of those things you just mentioned though, but are you feeling like maybe we got a question is the low end for oil for the year? Are you feeling like maybe there is more upside here and there is a there is a good floor they can operate off of, or is it still dependent on this outlook in the recession? 
it's very dependent on the outlook and the recession, Maggie. I, you know, and you know that I'm the first one to jump in and be an oil bull whenever yeah. I get the chance, right? So what we've got going for us on the bullish side is we had that range break. We had the range was probably, you know, low 70, 71 bit at 78 for several weeks. The Silicon Valley blow up de-risking caused that range to break. Crude oil traded down to the mid to low 60s and suddenly came roaring back two weeks later, right back into the range above $70 and today closed near 74. So, you know, I'm, while I'm not a strong believer just yet, and the reason that I'm not a strong believer is because this entire episode of crude oil selling off, it hasn't been able to make any technical headway that would really get a technician excited, right? It's not closing in large magnitude rallies above moving averages and trend lines and doing the things that get CTAs to file in. Mm. It continues to fail, right? It continues to fail when you want it to rally. And so that's why I'm not excited about it yet. I like the fact that there could be a false bottom alongside the bank blow up. Sometimes that's a real thing. And now that we're back in the range, we could be, you know, we could be consolidating for a while and maybe trade higher. But the bottom line is, I think it's most important to follow along with what's going on in the global crude oil story, where now Russia is selling a lot of crude oil to China directly. Um, you know, that's alleviating the sanction pressure that the U.S. has been putting on them. It gives China a close trading partner. As you know, they're going to settle that, those commodity trades likely in yuan now, which seems fine to Vladimir Putin since he shut out of the SWIFT system. Mm. So I think it's important to just see how the oil market changes with that sort of change in physical relationship there in you know just those countries being merchants and working together um, where maybe in the past they had not. So Saudi Arabia is expected to join that group. Iran and in Syria are expected to join that group. So those are the sort of tectonic shifts in global trade that are shifting right now. And the reality is, is we haven't really figured out what it means for price yet. Right? Yeah. It's, not it's not necessarily bullish oil, not necessarily bearish oil. We're just trying to see how the balance is going to shake out and what it's going to mean for global trade. But so far, the market seems balanced and like these prices in the mid-70s. So I think that it could be around here for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of it's hard. It's hard to parse the optics of all of that based as opposed to the reality of what's going on, especially when it comes to the Saudis. But you're right. There's a there's a lot happening. Kyle Bass has been super vocal, by the way, on on some of the currency issues in Asia. And there's, again, disagreement on that. Like everything, it's hard to find consensus right now around some of this. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, wanted to ask you about uh, about gold, rather, because um, we have been getting a ton of questions about that. Not surprising, given the fact that whenever you have you know a crisis or nervous or people are looking for protection, it comes up even more than normal. Um, we we asked the question about gold at the top because uh, Lawrence Leppard, our top performer on Three Ideas. Uh, came back on with Samuel just recently to talk about his outlook for gold. Let's have a listen to that clip, and then we'll talk on the other side. 
for the first time since the Russia, um, the Russian war started, the Ukraine war started, uh, we've seen gold over $2,000 an ounce. And that's a very important level, Samuel, because, you know, in, in 2011, it hit 1900 briefly. And then in 2020 on the COVID thing, it hit, it got over 2000 briefly. And then when the war broke out, it got over 2000 briefly. And after each of those, it's come back and corrected pretty severely down to 1700 in some cases, even lower, a little bit in one case. And, and now it's back knocking on, a, on an all-time high of 2000. It's been there three times. And as you know, in the investing world, when, when, people, when, when things make new all-time highs, that attracts a lot of attention. And so I, I, I sincerely think that what's going to happen here is at some point we're going to break through that 2000 with authority and gold's going to squirt up to 2500 or 3000. And that full interview is available on our website. If you're not part of our community, hit the QR code for a free trial. Uh, so, Tony, what are your what are your thoughts about gold? Gold's in an interesting place right now, for sure, Maggie. Right? It's interesting that it is the only sector. Gold miners are the only sector that are trying to keep up with technology. They're up about thirteen percent year to date. Um, but what's more interesting to me is that GDX, the gold miner ETF, was a $40 item last time gold was at 2000 which is last year, April of 2022. So um, gold stocks, you can look at it as they're cheap right now. You can look at it as maybe they're too over-owned and crowded, and that's why they're not rallying with gold. That's a popular thing in the gold market, as you know. Mm. And also, interestingly, and the reason that I can kind of still have a aspire for some more upside here in gold, especially if the dollar stays weak, which is one of my central views. Um, the last time gold was at 2000, total gold ETF holdings were 110 million ounces. And right now they're at about 90, 92 million ounces. So the ETFs are a lot lighter than they were the last time up here, which means if we see a huge, powerful wave of you know corporate and institutional buying, there is room for that gold ETF ownership to expand. And so that could drive the price quite quite a ways. It could coincide with that, you know, a quick move from 2K to 3K, mm. um, you know, that, that uh, the gentleman just alluded to. And, you know, I think that this is one of the natural resources sectors that you can chase this year and try to play from the bull side. Whereas, you know, until energy, until oil definitively turns around, the energy sector is really difficult. Until copper starts showing some kind of a direction this year, industrial metals and mining is really difficult. I mean, they just look like they were sailing away. And with that interest rate move, they got set back about 15%. So that stuff's really tricky. Right now, gold miners are the one natural resources trade that's working. Um, it makes sense that if yields are going to back off, if the dollar is going to back off, that gold will strengthen. It's one of those trades that, you know, you can make. It's an easy sale for hedge fund managers and, um, you know, plain vanilla traders as well. If they actually, you know, if there's actually an allocation change, that's always, you know, the gold bug's dream where if, you know, the global mutual funds change their allocation from in gold stocks from 50 basis points to 1%, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a whole new wave of buying that could change the complexion of the um, sector dramatically. Maybe we're in for that kind of future. I don't know. Yeah, but at it's, least, it's hard at least to it's know. something to get excited about. Yeah, and that is that is something that comes up. In fact, I talked to Rick Rule about this a little while ago, and he lays out his case. You can go back on the platform and, and dig that one up. Or tune in this Friday. We're having Rick on for the extended uh, Friday daily briefing, and he'll grade your commodity portfolios. So get them out, figure out what you're holding, send them in, and he'll give you his thoughts um, on 
on, you know, but include your sort of time horizon and risk profile. It's really hard to do that if we don't have a little bit of information about you. Um, so drop them in the chat or email us or I'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out a way for you to get in touch with us, but that's going to be really fun. So we're going to do that in the second half. Um, but yeah, that you're right. If that, if you do see that change, then that's more than just the sort of momentary thing. That's a much bigger shift that we'd be talking about. Um, so we've got some questions. I want to just hit on a couple of them as we're, we're going here. Um, Jim says, second quarter typically strong for oil and gas. Your thoughts on that? So I think you just laid out, in case anybody came in late, that it's a little bit like you're seeing signs of life. It's getting interesting, but you're not seeing all the technicals that would make you feel really bullish about it. But what about that second we, quarter? Any seasonal? Well, just to add, you know, just to add to the gold, uh, to, I, I, I'm not really a big, put it this way, I, I, don't, um, I don't have anything negative to say about it, but trading seasonality isn't really something that's in my toolbox. You know what I mean? It's just not the way that I follow markets, right? So, right. You're talking, are you talking be, about gold, or are you asking Jim's question about oh, second quarter for oil and gas? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oil and gas. Okay. Yes. So I was I was saying that you know that may be true, but it's not something that I like to hang my hat on as a trader. Mm -hmm. um, I feel that I get let down very often when I draw these analogs to other years and and try to do those comparisons. But what the oil and gas market has going for it is still strong gas demand. Right. Even though the economy is slowing down, gas demand has been relatively constant. Gasoline is still up on the year. You know, gasoline is up 10 percent while oil is down 10 or 15 percent on the year, really holding its own. The crack spread is extremely well bid right now, which is why you're seeing refiners cling to the highs of their move. Right. The crack spread is essentially the refiners margin that they get paid to crack a barrel of crude oil into diesel and, and gasoline. So. With that crack spread remaining firm, the refinery margins remain firm. And if the price, flat price of oil gets going, then you'll see the oil services stocks and um, EMP companies come back to life. But they're struggling. You know, they're going to have an uphill battle against, you know, this bill that Gavin Newsom is getting passed in California, um, where he's essentially capping the profits on refiners. So I, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to. Um, you know, take margin away from the refiners when the market is really setting the price that they will pay for gasoline and diesel fuel. But it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Essentially, if you are a refiner in California, you need to get the hell out of there. Just a quick moment to remind you, today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by Crane Shares. Learn about their KRBN ETF at craneshares.com forward slash K-R-B-N. Now back to today's analysis. All right. Uh, a couple questions about <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> speaking of Nat Gas, um, we have a couple questions about that. Uh, what about Nat Gas? I think, Maggie, it's going to take an act of Mother Nature, um, you know, being excruciatingly hot at some point this summer with everybody drawing on power um, to, to shake natural gas out of the doldrums that it's in. Um, it had a chance to rebound um, when it traded down to a $1 handle twice in the same week and then rallied about 70 cents, 80 cents out of there. Huge percentage move. Uh, but as you can see, it has failed again. Um, temperatures are extremely you know, moderate across the country. Um, there's not a lot of heat demand. Natural gas right now is literally just like a dead in the water. And what's scary about it is that it, you know, it's just went, it's just gone from 10 to $2. It can go from two to a buck. 
you know, with no problem at all. So I try not to get, you know, I, I try not to pick a direction there. I think that over time, if you have super deep pockets that we're somewhere getting close to a place where you probably can put some money away in the natural gas markets and live through the next couple of years and come out on top. Um, but for the short-term trade, nothing about the direction down has changed. So I can't really get excited about that commodity at all. Mm. Bo asking, is the volume drain from the SPR enough to affect the barrel price should the Biden administration decide to replenish it? Yeah, it doesn't look like uh, they have any plans to replenish it anytime soon. In fact, that's the last statement that I saw out of the Energy Department. Um, you know, they, they said that even though oil's below $70 a barrel, where they said that they would start replenishing it, they've changed their mind and they think that it could go lower, so they're not going to do anything. So it'll be interesting to see if that shakes out. Um, either way, I think that the administration is going to keep selling it until there's no more to sell. Um, and then they'll have to try to move on to another trick to try to keep, um, you know, energy prices capped. Uh, but they may come up with another trick that I don't know about. But in that, if in the case that the SPR is, in fact, getting closer to empty, there's going to be a point where oil just takes off on the upside. Uh, you know, I don't know when exactly it, it is going to happen, though. It, I find it surprising that they announce when they're going to refill it. It just doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't they just no. buy it on the market and refill it, especially if prices yeah. go up? It seems I agree. bizarre. Yeah, they would bid for it out on the curve, too, and it really wouldn't disrupt the market at all. It's not that much oil that they'd be buying back that it's going to hold the market up um, you know, in any way. So we'll see if they continue to be um, a little bit less than transparent about buying it back, or if they show up in the markets one day, then we'll know that uh, maybe they're getting more serious about it. But I don't think the Biden administration is going to get caught dead buying oil. Well, yeah, that, that, that's a good point. The optics of it may be preventing them from moving. Um, th this, is, uh, this is an interesting question because I feel like so much about any of these questions revolves around some of the volatility we've seen in the bond market, right? Because it has been unusually volatile. I mean, obviously there's a lot going on and there's a lot of headline risk it's been responding to, but um, Trillion X asking, what's your view on the 10-year yield? Are, are you watching that or are you trying to say super short duration? Yeah, no, I watched, the, you know, you got to watch the curve right now, Maggie. The curve is the only story in town, right? The curve right. was just tra trading into an abyss at minus 100 basis points, which means you wake up every day expecting somebody to throw a snowball through a window and break something, right? And that's what you got finally with Silicon Valley Bank blowing up into Credit Suisse, into Deutsche Bank, CDS spiking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Ten-year yields, well, uh, sorry about, sorry, excuse me. The yield curve has bounced from minus 100 basis points to minus 50 basis points in the blink of an eye in the same way that rates have turned and started heading lower. So that is the same indication, Maggie, that we are at the end of a cycle and you know we are coming into a situation where we are going to see Fed rate cuts and then we're going to find out what that does to headline inflation. You know, and I think that um, watching the curve is one of the few indications that you get <coughs> as to sort of how much the bond market trusts the equity market. You know, when it comes back to life like this, the equity market has a little bit more stability. When the curve is taking a nosedive into a 100 basis point abyss, you have no idea what's coming in equities. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah, you got to watch the twos, tens relationship. It's really important. I think the curve is going to continue to steepen. I think yields are going to continue to head lower. 
And, you know, that move that we saw in the first week in March, that 12 standard deviation move, like Jared Dillian reminded us, you don't want to get caught on the wrong side of a 12 standard deviation move. So that was when on the on the navigator, we cut all of the natural resources risk out of our portfolio. We grabbed out semiconductors and queues and we're living to trade another day. Yeah. And that's it. You have to respond to market conditions. And I know, you know, being really tactical has been something that you've been talking about all, you know, all year in this backdrop. I, I, this is a question from Nika. I'm, I'm laughing. Um, I, I like your spirit today, Nika. TG, TG, show me the money. Do you have a view on palladium? Uh, Boom. <laughs> Nikos is my man. Nikos is the best. Um, palladium, I, I always ask people that want to trade palladium, have you ever seen palladium? Because the answer is usually no, you know, palladium is like comes in pellet form in a big barrel and you start talking to people about it and they still have this bullish view. Nikos, like I've told you a million times, I, I don't like have this question a view has come in up palladium. Before, Tony. <laughs> it is. I think he's breaking my chops a little bit because he knows that I don't have a view in palladium. It, <laughs> it's just um, it's not transparent enough for me to have an edge in. So I kind of shy away from that metal in particular, to be totally honest with you. I may dabble in platinum. You know, if, if the situation is absolutely 100% perfect trade that I can't look away from, other than that, I stay away from platinum group metals. I've got scars from when I ran those books at Goldman Sachs. Yeah, I bet you do. Um, we're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. So when you when you look across everything, I know we I, I think you are still being very tactical in short term because of all the uncertainty out there. Um, what do you like here? Like what looks attractive, or what 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 are some things that you're watching that may not be lining up yet, but you're keeping a close eye on? What's kind of where you, what are you leaning toward there? You know, I'm thinking that if the the curve is going to flatten and rates are going to fall, I'm kind of maybe teeing up the home builder sector, you know, that if we see some mortgage activity picking up, obviously we saw it grind to a halt when rates went ripping higher. If that's going to back off, that might be a sector that can start to pick up some momentum, right? We've seen that when the housing data gets strong, they just start buying those home builder stocks. So that's one sector that at least is a little bit different from um, the sectors that I've been trading that I can look for a good entry point in. But I honestly, I like I like being in tech now. Like I like some of the patterns on the charts. There's huge inverted head and shoulders on the semiconductor chart that still is well intact. Looks like it can go a lot higher. I think software and internet stocks are, you know, maybe bottoming for this part of the move and have a chance. What's so beautiful about these, Maggie, is that there's juicy upsides to chase. Yeah. You know, some, some of these sectors, you know, you look at the chart and see where they can go and a 50% move is like, could happen in a month and a half. Yeah, you know, and that, that, that's the kind of thing that I like to hunt to see if there's that kind of momentum anywhere, um, you know, where the market has a pressure point where all of a sudden everybody decides, oh, you know what? Rates are going lower. We don't have enough tech, you know, and hopefully I can be in, in, in already in that trade and looking to let them have it at some point. But that's really what I think should pan out in the short term before we get to a point 
where headline inflation, you know, we'll probably see a couple of rate cuts, actual rate cuts at the next FOMC meetings, like, you know, the interest rate markets are planning for now. We'll probably see those rate cuts before we see headline inflation start ticking back higher. So if we're not going to see those for several weeks, you know, I'm not going to wait around for the natural resources sector to rally. I'm going to be in tech for this portion and then be on the lookout when headline inflation comes out to see if those are, you know, events that spike rates on me and scare me out of technology. So that's kind of how yeah. I'm trying to surf it, if that makes sense. Yeah, this is why we talk about time horizon is super important because there could be this sweet spot that you're talking about before that other shoe of inflation drops. William asking a really interesting question. Why can't a long pause solve all problems? It is like the market went right from the Fed being serious about going after inflation to the banking events, having everyone pricing in a rate cut and we're pulling up the time horizon on those in some cases, is is anyone, is there a, a view out there, a strong view out there that maybe they'll just pause and sit there? We seem to have swung right to the cuts. It, you know, it doesn't seem like it. You know, yeah. what, I, I have this theory, Maggie, that, um, you know, just an observation that, you know, it doesn't seem like what's going on, what the Fed is doing is, you know, it's it's not calming inflation enough. And rates aren't certainly aren't low enough um, to provide no liquidity to the stock markets or, or there'd probably be a lot of, you know, there'd be fallout there and markets would sell off. But what I keep seeing is the waves of inflation and deflation keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and kind of crashing into each other. So instead of the sort of, you know, instead of inflation and deflation forces mitigating, I feel like they're both rising. And I feel like that's why the bond market volatility has picked up. Because you can think of inflationary and deflationary forces on both sides of the card. And here in the middle of this fifth generation warfare that we're trying to trade and live through, I mean, who the hell knows what headline is coming next? You know, th this is really treacherous. Uh, this is treacherous territory for risk managers. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great point. And I think that it's one that's going to come up a lot, um, Tony, because we are, don't forget, embarking on our festival of learning which is going to be Thursday and Friday of March 30th and 31st. And um, this is a this this conversation about inflation, I'm sure, is going to thread right through that because Raul has really strong views about it. But some people certainly on the other side see a lot of inflation. But you're right. It seems like both those probabilities are going up. It just sort of depends on your time horizon and your worldview. We're going to have a fun session. You and Raul are going to sit down with Denise Schull and have a, have a session with her. Are you looking forward That's to gonna it? That's going to be fun. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that. I love doing stuff with Raul. That's always fun. And Denise is lovely. And I think she'll do a great job with this. So yeah, I'm, that's going to really be great for people if fun. you want a perspective on sort of um, trading. I don't know if any of you have seen Denise before. Um, the character on Billions is, is modeled after her, but she really gets into the trading mind and some of the psychology around trading. So that's going to be that's going to be super fun. Um, we have a we have a question, non-financial question from Christopher. Wonder what's on Tony's turntable. Without looking right now, I think I have got uh I think it's David Bowie, Moon Age Day. Yes, Ziggy Stardust. Oh, classic. Thank you classic. for that question. Music I, uh, music I know is is something that's really important to you. And we're probably going to talk about that a little bit with Denise. But Tony, it's been- a Moon Age Daydream enough, Maggie. <laughs> you, that, is, that, is that the track on that that you're listening to? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Treat yourself to that one today before the day. All right, fantastic. I'm going to put it on when I'm making dinner. Um, Tony, it's such a blast to catch up with you as always. Thank you so much. Some really great wisdom in there today. Uh, For all of you um, for the Festival of Learning, because of everything going on, This year, we made it free. So all you have to do is head over to our platform, realvision.com forward slash festival 2023. And you can find out everything that's going on as well as sign up for it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by Crane Shares. Learn about their KRBN ETF at craneshares.com forward slash KRBN. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.